Greetings, man. Welcome, everybody. This is your boy, Claiborne Jackson. Today is the first episode of Brothers Gonna Work It Out Mental Wealth Edition. And I'm joined today uh, by one of my brothers. It's even hard to put this man into words when you talk about a real brother. This man right here, he, he's a husband, a father. Uh, he's, a, he's a brother. He's an extended brother to many of us brothers out here. It has been a huge, huge part in my journey on my mental health uh, situations over this way. This man has seen a whole lot, and he's been there with me through a whole lot. And this is just on my side. You know, on top of what he's seen while he's been serving this country and retired from it, you know what I mean? This man comes to the table with a whole lot of input, insight, information. Y'all give it up one time for my brother from another, Mr. Chuck Taylor in the building with me here today. Right on, my brother. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Man. Ready to chop it up with you and, uh, you know, talk about some topics that I know hitting hard on some people's minds and they want to, you know, they want to get a release so they can come to this table and get it from us. Yes, indeed, man. Shoot, I, I, look, I appreciate you coming through here, man, on top of appreciating how solid, you know what I'm saying, you've been through all the ups and downs, man. I mean, shoot, bro, there ain't too many cats that done roll with me through some of the real deep madness. So, <laughs> much appreciated, boy, much appreciated. Hey, hey, it's all love, brother, all love. You know what I'm saying? So, shoot, man. So, today, man, I figure we'll jump into, uh, from all the time that you served over there in the Navy, man, I know you saw a whole lot of it. And just from growing up out this way and still dealing with the people with it, uh, PTSD and the effects that it has on those in the military and then those that are in the neighborhood and how it affects everybody that's involved uh, in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know it, if- it, it, it's kind of it's kind of wild because, you know, the, the, the acronym PTSD, you know, a lot of people are familiar with it now because when they hear it, they think about the military. But as you know, and like we talked about before, it's a lot of people that's dealing with it right back here at home, you know, in exactly. Dago. People that's dealing with it in L.A., you know, New York, Chicago, Chicago in particular. You Man. Know, um, and, you know, you, you're in your own environment, but are you living comfortably? You exactly. Know you know, <laughs> exactly. go to work, come home, and you're still dealing with activity that's being handled outside that you dealt with last week, you know? Right. It's a constant where people try to look forward, but they always find themselves looking over their shoulder dealing with something that, you know, maybe happened in the past. And that's that's a hard way to live, man. It you is, You gotta let man. it go and find, and find a way to get some get, get somebody to sit down and, and help you get over it. Exactly, dude. And that's, I think, like... Like it's so weird because when you look at it as a whole, like I think one of the things I noticed with the differences of when people are in the military, they go overseas and they have these wars, they have to deal with so much of the shooting and the violence and everything. And then you do a tour and you come back home and you might be able to find you some kind of peace. But I think where people get things mixed up with everybody that's still on the block, if you got shot at on Friday when you were in front of your house, you go in your house, come back out your house, you get shot at on Saturday. You know what I mean? You go to visit yeah. your family that's out of the city. You get to their house. Somebody starts shooting over there. So it's never like you really have a safe place to go. You know what I'm saying? When you're growing up in it and living in it. It's not like you can't get away. But then I think some of the brothers that have been in the military who left those neighborhoods for that reason, they come home from serving a tour and walk right back into it. You know what I'm saying? Where they think they're going to find comfort. And that's, that's, that's the reality of, of just life in and out of uniform, you know, if you made that decision at a young age, like like I did at 18, you know, leave Dago, go overseas, 
you know, for my, my myself, I was gone for nine years, so I came back to the house. Really? You know what I mean? I, yeah, I left in 91. I didn't step back foot, you know, permanently um, until 99. Man, okay. It was, a, it, was a, it was a period of growth for me to get away and kind of see things, you know, obviously in a different light of, of growing up and maturing, living overseas, you know, living in a different country, dealing with a different culture. But my duty of uh, serving, you know, once you, you know, you got on the boat and had to, you know, go to another country, it was, it was all brand new all over you know, um, so being exposed for me at that age to a different culture, I think it kind of allowed me to grow up a little bit faster. But when you got problems with dealing with, you know, um, it, it becomes tough when you when you ain't home, when you don't have anybody right. to talk to, when, when you isolated, when you when you just focus on doing your job uh, and, and working, but you ain't working on yourself. Right. You know what I mean? You ain't doing what's necessary to ensure that you you functioning properly when you got something going on upstairs on on, on your you know on your mind. So exactly. that's the challenge that a lot of people deal with, and it's tough, man, because it takes trust. You gotta trust somebody to sit down and talk to. Exactly, you. And you that's, know, that's huge. Just <laughs> finding somebody that you can actually, you know, what I mean, and it's one of those things to where you have very few people in your circle that you can say, "Hey, let me sit down and talk to you about this problem." You know what I mean? Right. And then especially within our culture, people, and in in especially in our culture with being as black men, a lot of cats frown on it and think that it's like a weakness. Are you going to go talk to somebody else? You want to talk to somebody about the strength? Yo. You know, everybody's solution mm-hmm. is, you know, either we act violently and go take out our aggression and depression and anger on somebody that has nothing to do with it, whether it's family, stranger, whoever it might be, catches the wrath. And then, you know, if not that, you know, here's your here's the answer in the bottle. Here's the answer in the blunt. Here's the answer in this, and none of that is really yeah. helping. It's just really putting those feelings that we already have deeper, deeper in, and turning us to be you know, say, which are making us that much darker. You know what I mean? No doubt. And that's why I tell no people when I, when I kick the intro off. You have been one of them solid cast where I could sit there and call at some random hour and break down and be upset. You know what I'm saying? And express how I really feel, and then get some real feedback on it. You know what I mean? As to Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, oh man, you know what? Hey, let's just jump in the car and go roll up on these people. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, I can sit there and call you and get some real logical. Hey, I'm talking to a, a military vet with the family. You know what I'm saying? This man's not trying to lose anything or risk anything at this point. So as opposed to escalating somebody's anger, depression, and rage, he's I'm over here on the talk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where, and what I've been trying to do as far as admission is, to get more brothers to feel like, hey, you know what? This isn't just something that the white people use for themselves. This is for everybody. Everybody needs that therapy. Everybody needs to go talk to somebody. Everybody has to work through these issues to try and break that cycle in their chain and get some real help. You know what I mean? To try and stop where everything is going because people don't get it, man. When, you, when you're dealing with the whole thing of PTSD from, from military to civilian, you know, it's nice to do where... I'll wake up sometime to this day and just be like, what the heck? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, mm-hmm. I've seen so much. I've dealt with so much. I've been around so much. And this is even after having help. But before having help, it was nice. I wouldn't even go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Because your mind is racing. Dude, at the old house, I would not come outside to get something out the car after a certain hour because I would get like a cold chill. Like, oh, no. Nah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not going outside. Yeah. You know, it could wait till tomorrow yeah. when the sun comes up. Because that's how much is still triggering in your mind. Like, 
This is the same kind of night. This is the same kind of moon. It was around the same temperature when those people were shooting. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, right. you know, and it would trigger all of that. Now, it'd be midnight. I'm like, I got to go to the car and get this thing before I get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but right. that's what helped in getting through the process and having somebody to talk to and sitting down with real therapists to try and push that line. You know what I mean? Well, see, that's, you know, I, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, when you're sitting down and you're kind of trying to figure things out for yourself. I got this theory, um, you know, before you bring a problem to somebody, you should at least have three solutions for yourself. Now, when you got those solutions to your problems, if you ask somebody what you think, you're trying to get their advice, their opinion, um, they might give you three different answers based on the solution that you provide them with, but you might have to go ahead and take all the information in that they give you back, that feedback, and that will prepare you to make the right choice that needs to be made at that time. Man, you know, say that. Right? Because, you know, anxiety is real, man. You know, people, you it know, they're dealing with a lot, of, a lot of stuff and you try to balance it all out. If you ain't got no good, and I hate to say this, but it's real, work-life balance. If man. But if you ain't got no work-life balance, how you handling business at work? And then coming home at night, trying to get rested and take care of yourself so you can get back on the streets to go back to work the next day man. and deal with whatever, you know, vicious cycle that you've been in. Yep. And a lot of people do that, man, and they, they, they break down. You know right. what I mean? Because they, they focus isn't where it needs to be. No. It's on the job when it needs to actually be on themselves. Man, hold on, man. And hold that's, on. that's the struggle. <laughs> hold on. Right, right there, man. Right there, man. Cause that right, I'm telling you, bro. That part right there, man. That hits home in so many ways. You know, say from if, if we go back, if we go back a couple of words to where you came with the three solutions to your own problem before you come and ask somebody else for a solution. You know what yes, I mean? Sir. Now there's there, dude. We've already done this, man. I've had three solutions. I'll come to you, and you've been like, no. No, I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, me and you have walked down this road already. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that, man. I, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing I always liked was you would tell me, well, I mean, you can, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it might now, not be the right thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It could work out, man. That was a real for y'all out there listening. That was a real, true Chuck Taylor Claiborne Jackson conversation. Well, you can, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. And after that, I'd be like, okay, you know what? Let me scratch my three solutions because apparently this ain't working. So, what is it that you're talking about, man? Like, you know what I'm saying? I go back regroup, but see, that's when you have solid people in your camp. You know what I mean? Now, that work-life balance, I have been trying to figure out, until I went to, until I did that intensive therapy stretch, I was really trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, and I I tell people, man, I've never understood what a work-life balance is for a single parent trying to pay rent and mortgage in California. I don't know what Mm work-life balance is. And that's where, you know what I mean? And that's been the beginning because... When I first took on the second gig, I was doing that partially like, okay, I got to figure out how to pay all these bills. I got to try and make sure all the lights is on, the food is in here. But then at the same time, I was also doing it to run from my own depression 
because the busier yeah. the so for the the way I thought was the busier I stay, the less idle time yeah. my mind has. Yeah. You know what I mean? If my mind doesn't have any idle time, I can't think about it. But what was happening was I was killing myself trying to balance out that work life balance between an eight hour yeah. job and a five hour job with, with like an hour break between both of them. You know what I mean? And then what was happening in that sense was I would come home from that and it'd be probably 10 o'clock at night, sit down on the couch, bottle of alcohol and, and some food from Burger King. Cause that's what was open when I left out of that second gig. So I come home, yeah. I'm over here looking like Nino Brown in the end of new Jack city, except for getting fat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> had no idea that my Carter was being destroyed and I was destroying it. You know what I'm saying? I was the wow. reason, you know, and that's because yeah. I was like, and then you figure out, okay, I'm killing myself for this. I'm killing myself for that. I'm not even benefiting from all the work that I'm doing. So there absolutely was no balance. It was all work. That scale on the work no side balance. was sitting on the ground as hard as it could be. You could take the scale off the other side for the for the, the balance of just life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't any such thing. Now, when I went and finally, when I hit that breaking point, and it took me to the point to where I almost lost the first job and lost almost everything else behind it because I got so deep dark into a depression into a sunken spot because I wasn't trying to take care of myself so yeah. when I finally hit that point and did that 30 days of uh, intense outpatient therapy the crazy part about it I tell people when I did that 30 days had it not been because of COVID those 30 days would have technically been inpatient but because of COVID mm-hmm. they had to learn and Kaiser was just learning it themselves they had to try and implement a 30 day intensive outpatient and give you the same amount of time that you would get if you were inpatient. So that same amount of time would start for me at eight o'clock in the morning is when we would jump in there for a therapy via zoom. It was from eight until 12 every day, Monday through Friday for, uh, for, for the, for the whole month. So you go from eight to 12. Sometimes it went longer depending on how big the group was. Then after that, you would start again around maybe two o'clock and you would talk to the therapist individually outside of the group. And this was every day. You know what I mean? Wow. Okay. So I'm saying, so once I started dealing with them and really starting to look at it, like, okay, now I'm starting to understand where this whole work life balance comes from. It doesn't come from you looking at your job and looking at your bills and trying to figure out how you're going to make it. The first part of that balance comes from you getting yourself mentally balanced. Yes, sir. You know, what I'm saying? because now we're, we're, that part right there is it, something that's really key. Like, I mean, if you want to like put it into like a metaphor, how can you ride a skateboard if you ain't got two feet safely planted down on? You? Man, say that without falling down. Say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. If you ride a skateboard safely. I say the word safely. If you ain't got two feet safely planted on that board rolling down the street, exactly without falling off. Exactly. It's impossible. It's impossible. But the struggle is, okay, you go down. You hurt yourself. What you gonna do now? Right. You gonna get back on that skateboard and keep kicking and pushing like Lupe Fiasco? <laughs> or you gonna put that skateboard up and, and, and just call it a day? Exactly. You know, Life don't, don't slow down. It keeps going. So you gotta know how to navigate move and go in the right direction so you don't continuously look behind you and create that PTS moment PTS mm-hmm. moment where 
Now you got some trauma because once you get the trauma, oh, you got the drama. Man, that, and that's I'm gonna exactly. run that back. Exactly. Man, I say once it again for those. Once you get the trauma, you got the drama. Yes. When you got the drama, that work-life balance. Man, you might as well go ahead and sit down somewhere because you ain't gonna be able to move. No. No. And then it'll paralyze you. Exactly. It's gonna just lock you down, and then you are gonna feel like you, you you boxed and closed in, and now you're looking for a resource or somebody to give you. A, a, a hand to pull you back to where you need to be and a lot of people go down that dark road dog and it's tough because once again if you don't have the trust or the outlet or the resource or somebody that can come in and assist you in that moment you might be in that position forget how long we've been in lockdown with Rona you might be locked down with PTSD for years and that's man and that's the truth right there and you know the bad part about it is the longer you're in it the more normal it begins to feel for you so you don't even realize that you're going through it now this is just your normal way of flowing this is your normal way of functioning you know what i'm saying it's so many times between you mike arvis cats was like look when you gonna bring yourself back and i'm just like what do you mean bring myself back bring the old me back what y'all talking about i am me you know what i'm saying but the whole time (laughs) I, i wasn't you know what i'm saying but it was becoming so normalized to me that i felt that i was you know what I mean right. and that's the scary part about it and then once you realize okay look every one of these obstacles that you're running into is not something that's going to stop you you have to start looking at these obstacles as an opportunity as a new opportunity to go a different path a new opportunity to travel down a different road you know what I mean there's this obstacle in front of you okay back up a couple of feet and see what's on your left and the right you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then take one of those directions but that obstacle can't be that big that's going to block you from your progress there's always going to be an out if you go further enough around it but when you, you have to start viewing every obstacle as an opportunity you know what I mean Well, you, you, the, 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 the struggle with that too can be the fear mm-hmm. of the unknown well I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where, where, where I'm going right now I'm not sure what steps I need to take to get where I need to go and, and a lot of times man people you know they take steps back I mean I could tell you about some of my own personal experiences over the years man where you know I, I struggled with, with, with things going on in my life and you know I, I'm the type of person I'm vocal mm, you know, yeah. I like to I like to say what's on my mind and, and, and speak on it yeah, but we, we know sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad but we know for the bad. that's <laughs> right that's right <laughs> but that's why we appreciate yeah. you though you know what I'm saying no, well, most definitely most and, and, and in the moments when I was finding myself in the struggle I wasn't ashamed nothing I, I, would, I would literally like like a turtle going inside of a shell I would shut down mm-hmm. and my people would notice that they'd be like you good? now when you honest with yourself and somebody asks you that question are you good? You gonna tell the truth and say, "No, nah, I'm not." But nine out of ten times, most people because they don't want to talk about it, they deny it. That yeah, I'm straight. Man. <laughs> hey, you know, and, for real. And, 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 and the burden's from the truth. You you, you hurt inside. Yeah. How do you go about opening up and letting somebody in so you can explain what's what's on your mind and, 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 and kind of like solve and create a solution to the problem that you got. And that's man. the hardest part. It is, bro. That is the hardest part. Asking somebody for some help. Man, ask for Because once again, mm. you know, you think maybe somebody's going to think, man, you're showing a sign of weakness. But when all the, you know, kick all the bullets to the side, when you care about somebody and you see them struggling, you shouldn't be afraid of what they're going to think about you because it's all love coming your way. You just got to accept it. 
Exactly, exactly, and, that, and that's where it rolls into that part with that whole trust. You got to have that that camp around you that you can trust, and know this person's not going to take it back to the street on me down the line. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And, and the way that you spoke on, if you're being true to yourself and truly saying that you're hurting and that you need help, let me tell you, man, this was this was my second run through therapy since my mom passed. This was my second run through therapy, and I was just on a friend of mine the other day. I said the first time I went to therapy. I wasn't 100% honest with the therapist that I spoke with. So they helped me with as much of the truth of the problem that they knew of. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't completely honest. They helped me with what I told them I had a problem with. So when I left out of there, they felt like, okay, we fixed them. But they fixed only what I told them. So, you know what I mean? So people can't help what they don't know. So part of their solution on that first time I went to, part of their solution was... All right, well, let's do this, let's do that, and then let's give you these meds to try and even you out and balance you out. Now, I, I never want to get stuck on something. You know what I mean? Prescription yeah. drugs is probably like the worst habit to form ever because at least at street level, you can still go find some. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> your prescription, right. they, they cut that prescription off, you're done. And yep. the thing I always right. remember was this cat that I played ball with. I went by his house one day, man. He actually stayed in the military housing off of Home Avenue. I went by okay. there one day yeah. And his homeboy was outside And I was like I asked what happened to my man's car He got in an accident Is he okay And my guy was like Nah That wasn't an accident man So he has uh, Bipolar Some other situations He said in the, They cut his uh, medication off They just cut him off cold And he had been on it for years And then when they cut him off Said all of that That you're looking at Was done by his hands And he came out with a sledgehammer He came out with a bat He threw his speakers through the window So all of that Came from Dude, the car looked like dude in Street Fighter had went to town on it. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, what the heck? So my mind is thinking like, look, I'm already going against the black man code of conduct and going to seek help. Now I'm getting medication for the help. And all I'm thinking is, man, I remember my man tore that car up because he got off that medication. You know what I mean? So all this is running through my head. So when I went through it this time, I eventually got off the meds that time. When I went through it this time, there was no medication involved at all in the beginning or the end. And the reason being was I was truthful and honest about everything that was bothering me this time. You know what I mean? So okay. what you got to understand is you can go to therapy one time. You can go to therapy two and three times. I still continue now, but it's for maintenance. But they'll never be able to fix the problem if you're not completely honest with what your there real you problem is. You know what I mean? And the reason you're going to these people is because you're trusting these people to help you. So you're finally putting your trust into somebody, but you can't put partial trust in. You have to put all. All in. You got to go all the way in with it. Exactly. Because they yeah. can only help what they know. And the part that they didn't know, you figure the first time I walked out with a bottle full of pills, the second time I walked out with no medication whatsoever, I didn't have to touch anything. Mm-hmm. Because now, okay. We got you fixed. Now just come back periodically for their maintenance. Just like with your car. You bring it from the lot, they fixed it. Yeah. But you still take that mug in periodically for their maintenance. You know, sometimes you wait till that light comes on, but most of the time you try to prevent that. So now I look at mental health the same way. Let me go in before the light comes on. You know what I'm saying? So before I something triggers, yeah. let me go see these people just in general so I can keep myself from even having that trigger. Wow. Now, you know, it, it's crazy because those people are trained professionals. They deal with, you know, 
you know, psych- psychology. They, they go to school all these years, get all these, you know, certificates and certifications on how to, you know, counsel and talk to people and direct them in a, and, and how to, you know, solve their own problems. But the one thing that they don't and they can't and never will be able to do is read your mind. Preach. They cannot read your mind Preach. unless you open your book and take them to the chapter in a paragraph and read that back to them yep. and show them so they can understand what it is that you're dealing with. And exactly. that's, that's, that's tough, man, because, you know, these people, they like, all right, I want you to feel comfortable. This is a safe place. I want you to, you know, sit down and, and, and you know, open up and we can talk about any subject that's on your mind and is concerning you. But what you just said, if you don't bring it to them and you don't shed light on the subject, they'll never know what's really going on and how to take the best course of action to help you get right. Exactly. And you be there wasting your time. Exactly. It and might I get and might get the wrong type of medication if it's necessary. That part. In the process. That part. Because they even <laughs> and even at that, when they're getting ready to issue that medication, they still want the honest answer from you. From are right. you doing any other drugs? Are you drinking? You know, and the biggest question they ask, have you ever had suicidal thoughts, period? Because yeah. some of that medication will trigger that suicidal trigger. thought. You know what I mean? So some people feel like, okay, I took the meds. Well, somebody was taking the meds that I knew and they committed suicide. That person wasn't honest with that therapist when they got that medication. And that's triggered. Man, I'm telling you. and that's them off. That's the thing that I learned, man. That's the thing that I learned was one of the biggest things that I had learned from talking to those therapists because they asked you every session, dude, every session that you logged in to have with them, you had to do a mood, a mood rating. Every time they okay. asked you, one of the questions that was there, 30 days you answered the same thing. One of the questions there, have you thought about harming yourself or anyone else? Anyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you thought about suicide? You know, those are the questions that were stuck there. And I asked them, why do you ask this every single time? They said, because once we issue this medication, that medication can trigger because it messes with your, you know, your mindset and so forth. But depending upon how dark you are and how into the, the suicidal thoughts you're having, this stuff also can kind of, how did they explain it? Like you can, it, it gives you the energy and motivation to get up and uh, to move around, live. But it also gives you the energy and motivation to follow through with certain things that you were thinking, i.e. suicide. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like a catch-22. Yeah. They're like, when people aren't honest, it's like most of the people that we've had that have passed away have passed away from the medication, not because of the meds, but worse, because they weren't honest and had told us they had suicidal thoughts. And so, so we'd rather ask you guys every single day and see, maybe you weren't being honest in the beginning, but now two weeks in, maybe you're comfortable and you're able to say, yeah, you, you know what? You're opening up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then at that point, we'll pull that medication and flip you onto something else. Like, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, let's give you this one instead of that one. But it comes from being honest and open. You know what I mean? And then, because if not, nobody can help you, man. And I think that's part of when you look at the, the symptoms and the things that people go through with PTSD, that's the whole thing because you've gone through so much trauma that's led you to the PTSD. And a lot of that has destroyed your trust. So now, you have to go up to a stranger and a lot of times man like neighborhood ptsd a lot of that trauma came from people who you thought you could trust trust you know what i mean (laughs) so now you're going to somebody who you don't know you're trying to put your trust with them you're like the people who how i did trust they did me dirty which is why i'm here now 
But now I got to trust you I don't know nothing about you You know what I'm saying It's like right. You know All I know is that By law I can sue you If you release my information That's all I know That's the only difference Between you And the last person I trust that did me dirty You know what I'm saying So it's kind of like How do you do it I mean for my first conversation With them I'm not sure If you went and sat down With the people and everything But my first conversation Was super awkward Because I'm sitting there with this lady and she's asking me these questions and I'm just kind of looking at her like like how much should I really tell you you know what I'm saying like <laughs> you know what right, I, mean? I think right. that's why my first trip was so candid because everything is going through my mind from this is going to be on my record this is going to be with this uh, I don't plan on doing anything illegal but for some reason I swear they can still get these records in the court you know what I'm saying like it's like all this yeah. stuff from yeah. the trauma that you've already have dealt with in life is all compiled right there looking at this lady who's trying to help you and that's how my first time I was so candid. Well, see, you just hit something right there. When you go into your initial consultation, you know, that, that first that first session, they sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm assuming all doctors might do this, they want to assess you, right? So they might have you fill out a questionnaire, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and get your thoughts on this, A to Z, you know, how do you feel? Did you do this? What about this? What about that? Now, as you're sitting in that chair and you're filling out this form, your comfort level is going, you know, all across the spectrum. Man, yep. I don't know if I want to write yes to this or if yep. I want to say no to that, you know. And so they're trying to assess you, but at the same time, you're trying to assess the person that's, you know, giving you the questionnaire to see if you can open up and talk Man. about those painful moments in your life where, you know, you didn't feel like getting up and moving and going to work or, you know, yep. you were dealing and grieving with a loss of a family member like me and you both have dealt with. It, it's tough because you, at that very moment, you don't know if you can trust or, or, or feel comfortable even opening up that wound because it ain't even properly healed all the way. Man, you know, and that, that's brother. what that's what PTSD is. PTSD is, is, is a cycle that is going through your mind constantly it's like a roller coaster that you can't get off of because mm-hmm. you, you stuck in the chair. Mm-hmm. You know, the ride just keeps going. Exactly, exactly. You know? And then and that's the thing, you can't run from it. it. Look, look, no matter where you go, there it is. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's going there. with you. It's there. You know what I mean? I think that's where some of us get caught up is that we try and, and keep moving and running from it when this is something that you have to hit head on. You have to actually sit down and, uh, you know, I'm always talking about Michael Jackson and the man in the mirror. He, he, but you know, that song, <laughs> you know, I'm a little froggy today. Normally, I hit that note, but uh, you know what I'm <laughs> oh man, but you know, what I'm you really have to sit there and seriously look at that man in the mirror and, and come to terms mm-hmm. with who you're looking at. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard. It's, it's truly hard sure. because we're brought up, man. We have to stay in control. We have to stay. You know, we can't show any signs of weakness at all. Right. You know what I mean? And right. that's generational. We've been we've been taught that and we've been taught totally wrong when it comes to that. You mm-hmm. know, as a as a boy, you think about me the first time you're hanging outside with all your dudes, what's the first thing that happens? If you cry, homie, go in the house and don't come back. You know what I'm saying? If you Word. want to cry, stay in the Word. house with your mom and your sisters and them, but don't come back out Word. here. You know what I'm saying? Right. Shoot, if something hurts, you better suck it up. You know what I mean? And then that's Hey, you want to cry? Take yourself in the house. Don't come back. Don't come back, man. So what do you start doing? You start internalizing. You know what I mean? And once yep. you start internalizing Locking everything, in. yeah, you know what I mean. And then, then that turns into some kind of internal rage. So 
PTSD starts early. I don't even think people even realize oh, yeah. that the trauma starts at such a young age. And by the time you start getting into so-called trouble, I mean, you're fighting, you're having all these, these outbursts. It's not because we're just some uncontrolled, untamed individuals. We're people who are hurt that never went to get help for generations. Man, you know, see, now, I, I didn't think we was going to go down this, this far down the rabbit hole, but since we down here almost at ground zero, let me go ahead and take it take it a step further. Man, come on. What you just said right there is something that has been witnessed if you go all the way back to slavery. Mm-hmm all the way back to slavery. And what I mean is, you know, uh, uh, abuse, uh, family separation, mm-hmm. you know, kids witness their mom and dad fighting and arguing. Yep. Um, you know, abandonment, pops leaving the house at an early age, and yep. mom out there working five jobs, Man. food on the table and the lights on. Man. That's PTSD. It is, bruh. <laughs> it is, because man. You, you, you witnessing and you seeing real life drama that is impacting your life. Yep. Right? At a young age. And when you grow up, you unless you get amnesia, you still gonna remember them times. You still gonna relive the moment. Something might trigger that. To the something fullest. might bring it back to you. To the So when you know you, you you get in a relationship or you know you you, you have a girl or you know you wind up having a, a child, guess what? It's in them already. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. DNA. It's in them already. So you it, it, it's something that they gonna probably witness or, 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 or live with or witness something that goes on with you if you have one of the moments where something triggers you to bring it back out Man. and you you said a second ago you know we, we, we can't still be and as a black man growing up in, in, in any city in this country we got more problems to deal with outside but when we have our own problems that we gotta deal with inside our own house that's gonna be a damn trickle down effect to the kids. Exactly. Or our, 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 our lady. They gonna see it. They gonna be like, what's wrong with you? Yep. You might not even want to talk about it. Yeah. Nothing. I'm good. I'm straight. Exactly. Because... I just need some I just need some time to isolate over here on this couch. Let yeah. me let me watch this TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's exactly what we do, man. Exactly what we do. Man, I've told people, man, the times that I was super swole, it wasn't because, oh, you're a gym rat. No. I was in there releasing aggression upon some weights and just got the right. benefits of getting swole, you know what I'm saying, from it. But right. that wasn't healthy weight. That wasn't healthy muscle. That was me putting on headphones for two hours in the gym, running from my problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Working out until I was dead tired. You know what I'm saying? That was the only way that I could exhaust myself was trying to get any kind of what? sleep was doing in that. What? What, what what did we used to call that physical therapy? Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Physical therapy. Yeah, that was that was our that was our therapy right there. That was exactly what it yeah. was. We never said we were going to work out. <laughs> we, no, were, oh, we were going for therapy, therapy man. Yep. That's exactly going what it was. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And that was you know we got the benefits of the of the the working out, but where is the mental? You know, I know we had some good yeah. mental moments and some good mental jewels in the in the journalings and the in the conversation. I think sometimes me and you actually did more talking about a problem that we had than we did working out. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> but those were the right. times that I really walked out and we walked out feeling fresh and energized. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that was, those are the times where, you know, because that was it was talking. So there's some healing that took place right there. Bingo. Bingo. And that's and that, you know what I think that's key with everything that we've been talking about right now is 
you know, when you got a wound that's fresh, it's going to take time for you to heal. Mm-hmm. And how you go about handling that period of time is going to determine how fast that heal, I mean, excuse me, how fast that wound truly heals up. And man, we got scabs. Some of them, you man. know, you, we fall down and you, you get cut up and, and that scab starts scarring, but you, you keep kicking at it. You know, you, you don't allow it enough time to heal up. No, you don't. Yup. And, and that's, that's the struggle in itself is what can you do? There's no, no, no medicine cabinet. You know, there's no, uh, needle sporing. There's nope. no, you know, uh, band aid. There's no, no real cure until you accept the fact that you got something that needs to be fixed. Exactly. Brother. And that's the key. Exactly. And the, and the bad part about it is some of the setbacks that you encounter. And like you said with the band aid, some of the setbacks, brother, you can put a band aid on. But you know, if you don't put any kind of neosporin or Vaseline and that mug dries into the scab, mm-hmm. and then as soon as you think you're healing, bam, next thing you know, the police done shot another brother and that yanked that whole bandage right yep. off with the scab. Yep. Because that takes us right back to that suffering. Because now, yep. you know, look, we've, we've made it past, you, you know what I'm saying, the, the things that you saw in the military. You work to, to get past that. You work to accept those feelings and have grown on that side of it. You say, I worked for the neighborhood side of it, trying to get past all the stuff that I witnessed and that I've seen. Okay, look, nobody's after me at this day and age. Nobody's after you. You're not overseas fighting. But then, Homeland, a brother gets murdered for nothing by the people that's supposed to protect us. And that's a whole nother mm. thing of triggering the PTSD that we were already trying to get over. And people don't see it Man. that way. They don't They don't see it in that sense. Nah, nah. And, and nine out of ten times, most people that, you know, turn on the news and see something that's going on in the street. It don't impact, it don't hit them because they never ever seen or had somebody that they knew or a family member or, you know, heard a story about somebody that, you know, lost their life to some bullshit that, that, that happened, you know, at the hands of a law enforcement agent. Now, the key word is law enforcement agent, right? Mm-hmm. Law are broken by those that are supposed to serve and protect and enforce the safety in the community. And we still dealing with this, man. And yeah. it, it drives me crazy, you know. Yeah. Me and we had, I think we had this conversation one time. We were talking about TJ and Doe after one of them, you know, young cats got shot. We're talking about why do we as black fathers have to sit down and have a talk with our yes. kids? Not about sex, you know, not about going out and getting a girl pregnant. We got to sit down and talk to them about coming home and making it home safe at night if they ever get pulled over by, you know, man. somebody in the city. Exactly. We got to exactly. have that talk with them. We're sitting there giving them a play-by-play, you know? step-by-step do, on yes. what to do, Keep how to conduct yourself. Wheel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, Don't sir, move no sudden. Sir. Yeah. Don't move. Don't stare, make eye no. contact. You know, sit up straight. Before you move, ask them, can you go this direction? Can you move this and that? You know, nobody else is having these conversations with their kids. You know what nah, I mean? They're nah, not dealing with that. Nah. So, that's still that's and like you said earlier that's us passing down our ptsd to them you see because when you look at our kids man these kids have grown up in an environment to where the stuff that we had to deal with we we kept them from that they didn't have to deal with all the madness so to them we're trying to tell some kids who think the world is pretty decent you know like this is how you have to act this is how this has to go on and they're looking at you like 
you're you're overthinking this. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> like this, this isn't how it really is. But okay, sure. If it makes you feel better, yeah, I hear you. you yeah, know, okay. you're like, no, yeah. this can seriously happen. You know what I'm saying? But our past trauma triggers us to yep. to put extra on it because we know what could yeah. really happen. We've seen it. You know, I right. sat next to the homie on the sidewalk. Who decided to challenge the police to a fight and actually got up and fought these fools? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, Lord mm-hmm. have mercy. Like mm-hmm. this, this is not good. You know, I was laid down in my own front yard in Spring Valley for them thinking I was trying to break into my own house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, shoot, I'm held at gunpoint. So I know where this can come, right? I know where it can go. And we try and tell right. our kids now who haven't seen all of this, and they're just like, okay, like. For instance, dude, I don't know how it was over there, man, but trying to explain to this kid here the the full impact of the police choking the one brother, shooting the other brother, you know. And I'm like, okay, he's not taking it the way that I'm taking it because this is all new to him. Yeah. You know what I'm this is yeah. something that he's just seen. He's never had a bad encounter with the police, thank God. You know what I'm saying? But all of it was so new and it was so weird trying to explain something to somebody that was so green. But you know, not trying to inflict my own trauma on him, but at the same time, I'm trying to drive a point across to him that look, your main objective is to make it home, brother. You know home. what I'm saying? Make it home. That's it. Just make it home. And to him, make he's just home. like, I'm always gonna make it home. And to me, I'm like, no, you're not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you're yeah. not guaranteed, brother. Like, you are nah, one traffic stop nah. away from never seeing this house again, man. Real tough, real tough. Because I mean, that you know, we've been seeing it happen too many times. It continues to happen. You know, I, I got this, this belief that you know, you, you never know what's going to happen until you put in that, that that predicament. And then if you don't got no no uh, you know operational set of rules to go by, you might not make it back to the past. Exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, that's you, the truth. you might not you might not get that phone call. They might. Matter of fact, I don't know if you heard about this um, and this this hit the topic right on on, on top. There was a brother that he got killed. Um, he was arrested. I guess it was a call. He was down in Texas. He got a call to the house. He was going through some, some mental struggles. Um, and he got arrested. And they wound up killing him when he got to the police station. They arrested Man. him at the house, took him to the jail, and, and beat him down. You Man. know, because he, he, was, he, was he was having an episode. Now, here's the thing about that. There was not a mental health professional on the scene. <laughs> Did not get Man. called to the house. Man, see? So if somebody's having a moment in their life where, you know, all hell is breaking loose, the last thing that should be going on is sending somebody to that person's house that's going to make their life that more, you know, that more traumatic. It's, it's mental health professionals on call. Yes. When somebody calls, I need assistance at my house right now. If not, like you calling the police to tell them somebody's in the house trying to kill you, you got a murder on deck. No, I got somebody that's having a breakdown and right. I need some assistance. Hey, dude, don't send don't send five squad cars. Send no. somebody over here that can de escalate the situation. Exactly. Send man. somebody over here that's gonna make this person feel more comfortable. Man, so they can continue way. to breathe and talk calmly. So we don't have to have a situation where you got somebody on the ground with a knee in their back or on top of their head or their neck where they about to take their last breath. Exactly. And that's brother. the crazy world we living in right now, exactly, man. Exactly, brother. And it's funny because you, you bring that together. up. 
inside of my area that I'm in now, inside of this residence area here, there's a uh, there's somebody that lives in these condos that's down there by the clubhouse mm-hmm. part of it. And at least twice a month, if not more than that, I see and, uh, the police come through here from Chula Vista. I saw them one day. They had a different color jacket on. And I'm just like, I've never seen this jacket. Like, what is this? So they were outside talking. And I asked them, I was like, hey, what division do you guys work for? Because they came with the regular police. And then they had the ones that had on these different jackets. They even told me we are the mental health side of it. They said, so we get called out when somebody's having a mental breakdown, a mental disturbance. Mm-hmm. They call us out. And when these people came in, dude, there were no sirens blaring. Nobody had their hands on their gun. None of that. They walked ahead of the other police as calm and as peaceful, just as mellow as can be. And I'm like, where is that right. for us? Where is that when something like that is going on for us? Where are they? Now, now I know that I've seen it. I've seen them because they, right. I, see, you know what I'm so I know they exist. You know what I'm saying? I know right. they're there. But that's part of what keeps us with this problem with our trauma is when they're called to come for us, they don't think black men are suffering from mental health issues. Nah, nah, they don't. They don't see that. I mean, no. if you want to put it in perspective, you know, they literally see it in black and white. Literally, literally, literally. they see it in black and white. That's that's you know? oh, true. White dude, you know. I mean, just just take it a step further. The dude that shot and killed the eight Asian people down there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. the cop that did the press conference basically said the dude was having a bad day. Right. Was, yes. They arrested the dude. He was armed and dangerous. Man. Detained him, arrested him, walked away. Dude sitting in the jail cell right now. Exactly, exactly. And now you know he's going to get some kind of treatment. And now oh, he got to be in jeopardy. Treatment. Is he going to file? Yeah, is he going to try and plead insanity? Because they've already right. laid the premise. Right. Yeah, they already laid it down. You know that was part of the. the you know the, that was the, the the protocol of white suspect arrested. Okay, we know what to do. Now, if it would have been any, uh, anybody of a color, it been a brother or, you know, a mm-hmm. Latino cat, we already know it would have went down a little bit differently. Man. And, and that's, that's just the way things are handled can be handled the same way if people that's wearing that uniform with that badge yep. don't look at it in black and white. Exactly. And, it's, and, that's, and that's part of the thing with trying to promote amongst our people. To utilize our services, go get this medical joke. Let's go sit down and get this the, the mental health treatment. Because the more mm-hmm. of us that takes these steps towards going to get treatment for this mental health, for this PTSD, hopefully at some point, some of us will start to trickle into law enforcement. Maybe they'll start getting reports, start seeing something that shows, okay, you know what? They're suffering too. This isn't just anger and rage. This is also them going through some mental issues that they needed to work through. You know what I'm saying? Right. But without us actually going to get help, and you turn around and say, hey, this, you know, he's having a breakdown. Okay. For instance, if you've never went to see a professional and you do call somebody and say that you're having a breakdown, they come in asking for your doctor's name, medication that you're on, yep. paperwork showing that you've seen a shrink. You have nothing to support any of that. So no now they're right. going straight to the part of, no, this is drug induced alcohol induced anger rage everything but what you just told us because there's no history or record of them ever getting help by anybody you know what I mean now if you can produce something and even at that if they did wrongfully uh, arrest you if they did murder you now your family at least has background supporting documents and so forth to show hey 
this person was having a breakdown. This person was getting mental health help. And this is what happened. And this is what you guys did to them. But without any kind of support and documentation, we just looked like we were angry, enraged, and they were in the right. And that's why it's important, man, for us to start going in there, utilizing these mental health benefits, sitting down and talking to people, getting these feelings and emotions out, and more brothers coming together. And I know our sisters are out there going through it too, but us brothers got to really get out there and start pushing that hard line. Because even if you're trying to be the leader of your family, your wife, your daughter, they might need the treatment too, but if they see you going against it, they're not going to try and get fixed either. Nah. And see, that that, that, that point right there that you just made, it, it come back to being a cycle, right? So if you don't break that cycle within your, yourself, you're going to create a chain link of events that's just going to pop off and go right down the line, you know, in the household to the next one that's coming up, and they're going to feel it, they're going to get it, and then they going to find themselves in a situation where they're going to need to get some assistance too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Now, I think that the difference is, so now, what would you say between being in the military and having PTSD, coming home, getting ready to get out, what would you say the, the, the difference is in how that's handled as opposed to the person that's just on civilian level that's going through it and trying to figure out ways to deal with it? See, that's a good question because I know brothers have been over in Afghanistan for like consecutive tours, some that come and go, some that's floating on a boat out there for like 11 months coming back home and, you know, the world don't stop. You know, they out there performing a mission, doing a job. But the main difference is once they come home, there's assistance that's out there because they're getting like decompression, right? All right, you just did this third consecutive tour. We're going to have you sit down. Um, there's outlets they can go talk to a medical profession a therapist they can go talk to a chaplain mm-hmm. if they're getting out of the service they can go to the VA and they're going to have services readily available for them and that's the big difference they're, right. they're, they're, it's already assumed that this person might have PTSD Okay. even if they don't you know, jump up and down and say yeah I'm dealing with some issues they're going to have people that's coming and talking to them and, 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 and trying to assess their situation and basically wait for that person to wave the white flag and say, you know, I need some help. Now, back here at home, when something pop off in the neighborhood, like you said earlier, you know, they might hear some gunfire pop off on Friday and get shot at on Saturday and then got to go to work on Monday. Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> my, little, my teenage through early 20s, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so where, where is that, that, that professional, you know, at? Where, where's that person that provides them services at on, you know, Sunday afternoon, except for, you know, at church service where they can sit down and talk maybe to a pastor, but they ain't going to do that. You know, right. they ain't going to run and sit down and, you know, go up and let that person know what's really going on inside of them because it's something that they ain't comfortable talking about. Exactly. They want to handle that aspect of their life for themselves in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah. That's that's the truth, man. That's that's the truth, and that's why people when they say, "Oh, this person went to jail and was there for so many years, they came out and they went right back," because once you get released from jail, you don't go through a debriefing program and process where they get you ready for society. Nah. You know what I mean? You what you left from what you left on the streets would probably got you put in. When you come back out, depending upon what time of the uh, what time of the the, the, the years that they, how many years you've been in, and unless your area's been through regen, regentrification. 
you walking right back mm-hmm. into the same situation that got you put in. Right, exactly. you know I mean? right. And then when you go to jail, from what I've seen with some of my cats that have been in there, the way to survive is to get with your same homies that's already locked up. So you're you just keeping it going. Those that can be- it's right. That's right. You you trying to survive in there so you can get back out and you know survive back out on the street. Exactly. So by the time you come home, now you have like a double dose. You know what I'm saying? You come back with right. it. You know, you just did ten years of extreme. That's like next level. So now you got that PTSD on top of. You know what I mean? I I had a friend of mine. Man, he had did ten years. We had went out of town, and my man had to sleep in the bathroom with the bathtub running. Because wherever he was locked up for those years, there was constant water that was running. So for him to sleep, he still had to lay next to yep. something with water running. If yep. that's not trauma, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know what is. Nah, you know? I can be a good example of some crazy trauma. So I got a cousin, he's in the army. And he did a tour in Iraq. And he only stayed in for about five years and he got out. And this is back, I say he got out in 90, I think 94. 94. So he was over in the first Gulf War. Come back home. Now his job is the army. He was a corpsman. Okay, he's a you know med tech. He out there on the field. So he he's seeing you know people that got shot up, blown up. You know he's a medic. He out there doing his job. To this day, this dude at night, he, he can't go to sleep. He don't sleep through the night, Man. right? Because he still has not the program. His mm-hmm. mind from that episode that he was dealing with way back in 1990, man. and that's full. He got full on PTSD. Fourth of July pop off in the neighborhood. Oh, up there, you hear that gunfire? He, he, he. His mind get transplanted right back to Iraq. Oh man, you know, yeah. And, and, and this is this is something that he's been dealing with, and he's married. He got a family, so his family actually witnessed it. They seen it. You know, he, he, he's going through the VA. He got, you know, uh, uh, treatment, but the treatment hasn't broke the, 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 the chain of events that, that keeps him wrapped up. So, right. like you said, you know, it, it's stuff that people, they go in, you know, they get locked down, they come back out, it's still there until, you know, you sit down and you start working towards making things better for exactly. yourself. Um, and until you do that, you're going to have that over your shoulders like a monkey on your back. And then that's, man, that's the truth, brother. And that's what I'm trying to tell people, man. Look, you know, people are like, you are so open and so out there on Facebook about you and your mental health struggle, you and your mental health counseling and going to see the counselors. And I told everybody, I said, I'm not doing it for attention. I'm not doing it for the likes. I'm doing it to show these other brothers like, look, man, there's nothing wrong with going to get therapy. I'm proof that it works. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I'll I'll prove that it works, dude. Let's let's break the cycle. Let's break the chain. Let's go get this help that's offered to everybody. You know what I mean? Let's get off this machoism and let's go get this help that's out there so that we can start trying to break this cycle, break this chain of events that's going on for generations. It has to start somewhere. You know what I mean? And then it's, it's time for us to try and push that narrative of like, hey, everybody is woke now. Well, if you're so woke, then wake all the way up and realize that you do need to talk to somebody outside of your Facebook people and go to actually get some real serious help. People get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Facebook is not a paid therapist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. Hey, 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 real talk, real talk. People would honestly believe 
that it's actually free therapy. So I make a post, I say da 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 this. Now I'm gonna sit back and chill in my chair and wait for somebody to respond to it. Then it becomes a conversation piece and now I can work through my own personal struggle based off what is being provided to me by that person that's giving me that insight. Now, free therapy ain't good therapy. No. Okay. Now if you gotta do it through social media rather than go seek somebody that's actually a trained clinical professional, then you gotta evaluate your life priorities. Cause right now you ain't looking at them like No. Exactly, dude. exactly. You know what I mean? And that's what blows my mind, man, because you see so many people and one person can control the narrative of that whole post. And next wow. thing you know, everybody is swaying in that direction. And meanwhile, you've gone out and got help. So you're looking at everything that everybody's talking about. You're just like, you know what? I want to put my two cents in and try to help turn this in a different direction. But these people aren't ready to go get real help. They're just trying to get help amongst themselves. And as soon yeah. as you put something in their clinical, they're going to tear you apart. Now, right. if it's one thing I did learn from therapy is knowing when to put myself in and take myself out of situations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I see some things. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to touch it. I'm just going to go on about my business. Now, yeah. And the funny thing is, is some of these people who are involved in some of these conversations have hit me later on and been like, you know what, this is totally weird and it's totally odd, but I'm coming to you to ask you about some some mental health. You know what I mean? Like, like, like okay, because you seem so different with this whole situation. Let me talk to you for a minute. You know, and they, they came out of that group. Had I went into that group and tried to spit something to them, I would have got attacked by everybody. You know what I mean? But you, but, you, but you know, I think one of the reasons why that is because we all got pride. Right, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes we got too much pride. Where like we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna allow somebody to, you know, come in and kind of like tell tell me how I'm feeling and, and try to redirect this this particular situation. You know, I know they're trying to benefit, but I don't want to. I want I don't want you touching. It's too sensitive. It's, it's an area of sensitivity. So I don't want you talking about it. Right. And we allow our pride to get in the way instead of allowing that person to, you know, let us. Uh, uh, feel what they're talking about so we can actually see it and then they can mm-hmm. help us you know fix that situation and if you're a prideful person I'll tell you right now it ain't doing you no good no no <laughs> it ain't Ooh. helping you ego and pride <laughs> ego and pride man is, are the leading causes of death amongst folks you know right? what I'm saying your ego keeps you from wanting to be mm-hmm. disrespected by anybody which takes it to the next level you know the next level of whatever you're going to do to that person and your pride you just, i just can't let that happen i just it just can't you know i can't let somebody see that i'm hurting i can't let somebody see that this right. is going on so between your ego and your pride you're killing yourself you're, right. saying? you're killing yourself or it's going to lead you to kill somebody else because of your, your ego and your pride you know no, no, you got you, yeah, at this age you know, i have nothing to prove to anybody you know what I'm saying I have nothing to prove no I'm just now I'm living to prove things to myself as in hey you know this is who you are I'm living for me at this point you know what I mean right. and if I can try and get these words out to people that's why I was like you know what man who else can I come and talk to that knows where all this is going you know what I mean mm-hmm. who's, who's seen it from, from every angle you know what I mean right you know and understands like look this is what we all need to get involved in man it has to be more conversations amongst brothers about mental health, shedding that ego, letting that pride side go, reaching out for that help. The resources are there. 
get that chip up off your shoulder and, and go get this help, man. Dude, a lot of our relationships are destroyed because of pride and ego. Pride. We can't let we, we just can't. We can't show that side. Nope. We, just, we, know it, we can't let people it, in. It, it goes back to that, that point where, you know, I'm not going to show no weakness in front of nobody, even though I'm co-op and hurt on the inside. They ain't going to know. Right. They ain't going to see it. I'm not gonna allow that. I ain't gonna allow this situation to 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 have them see me go in this corner and start boohooing yep. and roll this tear because I'm not that person. Yep. But on the inside, guess what, man? You softer than a damn teddy bear man. because you are hurt right now. You know you need help. Man. You know you need to talk to somebody. You know good and damn well you you would pick up the phone right now and call. The one person you know you can talk to if you could, but guess what? That person might not be there. Brothers they might not preach. be able to pick up the phone preach, and, and, and assist you and help you in your time of need. Because right. right now, you know what it is? It's you and the situation. And right now, you're allowing the situation to overcome and overpower you and take you out. Now, it's a choice. You make the right one, you might get some help. You make the wrong one, you're going to be living and dying and stressing with this situation until you come to the the full understanding that you need to get it fixed brother man man I wish I had something with a church and a choir you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I see brother look the more conversations we have man I'm gonna need a bigger effects panel you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to get up in here today and add some effects, man, because we have taken it to church on these people today, man. Amen. We have taken it to church with these people today, man, because that is what you said right there, brother. You know what I'm saying? I, I have more to say, but I can't even follow that. Because you, you brought it, bro. I'm telling you, brother, you you know what I mean? Without regurgitating the same thing and standing up on a soapbox, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shoot, brother, what you said right there is where it is. That is where it is, man. I'm telling you, man. But see, this and this is what I'm saying, dude. The next time, man, we're gonna have to try. It, hopefully, when we I'll put this out and, and more brothers will tap into you or tap into me and say, hey, let's jump on another episode. Let, let's get together on some stuff and, and work. You know what I mean? Because we, we gotta get it together. Let's do it. We I mean, this get is an open book. Man. Yeah. This is an open book. Right now, you know, we on chapter one. You know, you build oh, we building a foundation trying to help others in, in, in situations to come to life with. They, they, they problem and how they can go about getting the assistance and the resources that are available to them. You know, um, one, one thing that you know, you, you talked about briefly, I've been in this game helping and mentoring for over 30 years. And Man. I take pride in it, good pride. And I know sometimes when people have problems, they only go come to you when they trust you. Yep. You know, and, and when good brothers come together and they stand up, it shows that people are willing to accept their advice or help or put them in a situation where they can sit down and chop it up with them and so I'm, I'm open like 7-Eleven I don't close I'm 24-7 so man, you know man, I'm brother. with it I'm right there with you man I'm right there with you man and that's what I'm trying to tell cats dude stand solid to the end there's people who I don't communicate with at all anymore that gave me information on them that will never ever hit the street you know what I mean right. so it's not fair weather it's not like oh you're good today we're talking today we're hanging out today and then three years later, I'll put you on blast. That's that's not what nah. we do. You know what I mean? Because nah. at the end of the day, when you told me that, you told me that in confidence as a friend or someone that you could trust, and that's where we keep it. You know what I mean? Where it is. So we got to bring back the solid brothers. You know what I'm saying? We got to bring back the yeah. solid, what is it? 
Uh, you know, I always give you always make up my own words. So I'm trying to make sure this name to make the uh, made up word. What is it? Uh, solidarity? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? But sometimes, sometimes my words my words aren't made up. They're just not in the regular dictionary. You know? Oh no, they in your dictionary. Okay. <laughs> the source of Playboy Jackson. You know what I mean? Shoot, <laughs> the, the, the book of Clay, uh, chapter one. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I tell you where better look. We gonna do me. I know we probably dropped some heavy stuff on people today. On this episode, uh, we like you said, we went deeper into that rabbit hole than we thought we were gonna go into. Oh no doubt. You know what I'm saying? But it's still good. Man, man, it's so needed to be said. So we gonna do man. Look, this is how we gonna do this, man. So that we can lighten it up for people just a tad bit. I got three cards in my hand, right? Three cards in my hand. They all have different questions on it. The questions are PG because we're trying to do things for mental health. So we're staying within our lane. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got other podcasts where these three cards might be something completely different. But for the sake of <laughs> these are PG questions, since you're not directly in front of me, you're going to have to pick card one, two, or three. And I'm going to read this question to you and ask you this question. And it's from a game. It's from a black-owned card company, a game company. The game is called Don't Lie. You know what I'm okay. saying? So you got to tell the truth. So you're going to pick card number okay. one, two, or three. I'm going to go with number three. All right. You know what? I was kind of hoping that you were, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> since, since you I don't felt, know how I feel about you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? Because it goes back... So us always having these battles about Mount McGill and Helix and athletes and athleticism. Oh, no. So this okay. question right okay. here, we gonna see, man. I remember, man. I, I know people that know you. So if, if this answer okay. don't sound right, I'm gonna research. You know okay. what I'm saying? The question is, did you ever play JV sports past the tenth grade? Don't you lie. Yes, sir. <laughs> man, let, me, let me let me tell you a funny story real quick. Stop playing. <laughs> JV 1990, 89, so 87, 88, 89, all the way up to 90, 91 when I graduated. Now, my my junior year, I had a job working for the Port District of San Diego. Okay. Okay. And so, football season started, what was it, like June practice, July, right after, yeah. you know, right, right after some of the paper kicked off. I had a job down there. Good job, making like $300, you know, every two weeks. Cutting, cutting hedges and stuff, right? Okay. And football practice is going to start where we had two of them. Oh. Coach Healy. Hell we. Coach Arnott. Hell we. Yeah, Coach Arnott. Now, I had to think about life, work-life balance, pretty much, right? How <laughs> am I going to allow football and work to go hand in hand? So I thought I came up with a game plan. So I'm going to run this by Coach. So I went up to Coach one day, right before we were about to, you know, season about to start and I told him hey coach I got a problem he's like what's the problem Chuck I said um I got a job with the port district he said that's that's, that's, that's cool he's like what's the problem I said well I don't stop working until you know after about a week into practice okay he started laughing coach Darnot started laughing he looked at me and was like so what you trying to tell me I was like well can I just come to the practice in the afternoon He's like, nah, you need to make a decision. And this is what he told me. And to this day, this is a life lesson that I tell my kids. I tell people all the time. This is what he said. He said, 
you're going to always be able to find a job. You're always going to be able to work. But you're not always, you're never going to always have the opportunity to play high school or college sports. Man. You need to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, now when he said that, this is what my mind was telling me. I'm like, okay, that's cool and all, but you ain't paying me $300 every two weeks. Now, mind <laughs> you, this is back in 1990. Hey, $300 you know back then was huge, brother. Because we were filling the gas was, tank up for what, $10? Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had paper, right? But the job was coming to an end. So what wound up happening is, because he, he made me make the decision, I made the wrong decision. So I sat out my junior year, like on a contract dispute. Okay. I was like, nah. And so, but what hurt me though was, watching my boys Arvis Brandon Gary Brian McCaskill they went out there and balled that season I went and kicked it in the stand and watched the game my junior year now fast forward to senior year I didn't let no job get in the way of me going out there and playing my final year in high school okay so the moral to the story is yeah I played but I didn't play all four years in school because I thought that, that that job was bigger than going out there and playing right, ball. Right. Even though the job was coming to an end, I let that paper get in the way of me making the right decision to play with Man. my boy. So you can go run that by anybody that you know <laughs> that I know and then go ahead and validate that story 100. I'll tell you what, you know what? It was probably lucky for you because I think that was around the time when Mount McGill was stumping y'all out anyway. Nah, so, nah, I got the yearbook. I, I that out. <laughs> you know that's all cap. That's all cap right there. Hey, look, even the studio audience had to laugh on that one, brother. You see? <laughs> hey, you know what, man? Look, I'm going to tell you, dude, I know. Mel McGill wasn't doing much in that. I'm going to always ride like we were winning. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Always, in my mind, we beat somebody important on some day. Oh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know what, brother? This, this has been lovely, man. This has been lovely Good on top time. of therapeutic for me and, and you. Shoot, hopefully, man, we'll get this out here, man, and, and other brothers will jump on board. But uh, this is only episode one, man. We're doing it again. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to run it back. You know what I'm saying? We're we gonna, yeah, we definitely got to run it back, man. This this right here, man, this might be the next thing going. You know what I'm saying? But I'm looking forward to it. Hey, man, looking I truly appreciate it. you, brother, man. Hey, I'm going to log this joint off, man. I'm, I'm going to set up shop, man. Let the weekend begin. And, uh, okay. Hey, brother, man. Love you, fam. You know what I'm saying? Hey, love. One love, brother. One man, love. 100, man. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, hey, till the next time, man. This has been. Clayburn Jackson, Chuck Taylor, Brothers Gonna Work It Out, Mental Wealth, Episode 1. Y'all stay tuned, man. We got more coming, y'all. Peace. Night.